Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad-Free Shows and Podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba. That is the broken one, woken one, spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. How are we, my brother, coming to us from Cincinnati tonight? Yeah, I'm in Cincinnati. It is 11.30 p.m. You know, we've had a couple weeks here going late, but, you know, we we are here to give this podcast, The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, to all of our loyal listeners each and every week. And it doesn't make a difference if I'm doing it at midnight, if I'm doing it at 3 a.m., doing it at 6 a.m., it is going to get done. And you are in that same boat, John, and I appreciate it. I'm thrilled. Hey, 11.30, this is primetime John Alba hours. You're right, yeah. (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. The the 24-7, the thunder will roll as far as I see it. (laughs) But but, uh, last week, admittedly, I listened back to our episode last week. I think we hit the record button at like, 1 a.m. So it was it was a late night and I think it was a little reflective in our somber tone, but also due to the subject of what we were talking about last week. Uh, But but we did get some good feedback from that episode. I think a lot of people found that to be a very interesting topic. The smackdown after 9-11. What do you think after taking aback, listening to it and reflecting on that? I did uh, a lot of really interesting feedback. And, And it's it's just it's so weird because it's a topic that I would imagine some of our listeners, younger listeners, they weren't even around to witness it, you know? So, no. so it, it wasn't as big of a deal. It wasn't as impactful. It wasn't as jarring uh, as, as it would be to us and, and people that were there that, that lived through it. And like everybody remembers where they were when nine 11 went down, you know? And I, I still, I'm pretty intrigued because it's like a moment that is like etched in time that people will always remember where they were when they heard about it. And it's always interesting to me when you hear people state where they were specifically. Absolutely. Go back into the archives and check out that episode if you haven't already. And I'm telling you, man, next time you're in New York, I know you're going to be in New York for an extended period of time coming up. I'm not sure if we're ready to announce that yet, but I know you're going to be soon. And uh, when you do, I definitely recommend you go check out the 9-11 memorial and anyone over there it's it's a a tough thing but it's it's really beautiful and and well done for sure um but we are adding some levity to this podcast we've had a couple tough weeks of topics so i think it's time to talk about some fun stuff uh on the extreme life of matt hardy my friend and that is why we are doing an ask matt 
where the Extreme Life faithful get to ask you questions. But before I can get into any of those, is there anything that's on the wrestling radar this week that you want to talk about? We are officially in the Endeavor era of WWE. Vince McMahon no longer the principal owner of WWE. It's It feels like hell has really frozen over, hasn't it? Uh, dude, VKM, Vince McMahon had a hell of a run. You can't deny that. And uh, it's so appropriate knowing and working as closely as I did with Vince in the past over so many years, you know, first run roughly 14 years, three years after that, I've done about 17 years at WWE. The fact that he ended up selling the company and leaving on top where no one will ever get the opportunity to make world wrestling federation as far as an individual sole owner better than him was just uh apropos for him i mean it really is very 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 fitting so you know he 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 sells it on the endeavor thing is official the merger has gone through it's going to be so interesting and i'm so so curious of how it's going to work in conjunction working hand in hand with the ufc and and what they're going to do and what the changes are going to be that come to the forefront. It's going to be a really, really interesting time in WWE. There was a really interesting comment, too, made by one of the Endeavor executives where he said, in an ideal world, WWE fans become UFC fans and UFC fans become WWE fans. And there's been a lot of chatter about that and whether that's feasible or not. And Dana White himself kind of shut it down and said he didn't really feel there was a lot of crossover between those two audiences. What's your perception on that? Do you see there being crossover opportunities from a fan base standpoint, or will they kind of live a little separately? It's interesting because I actually saw that clip on social media that Dana White commented on that. I I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of UFC, mixed martial arts, shoot fighting fans really just jump over to wrestling because it's also owned by the same company that owns UFC. Mm-hmm. And I think people that enjoy the pageantry and the, fantastical world of pro wrestling are necessarily going to jump to UFC. Although I do think they're both such unique, extreme sports and entertainment. I I think there'll be some great promotion you can do with them both together. I don't know if they're fans. I don't know if fans of specifically pro wrestling or fans specifically of mixed martial arts are going to like cross over and like love the other brand just because now they're under the same roof. Yeah. I I think you see more crossover where, WWE fans will watch UFC, but I think there's less crossover of UFC fans watching pro wrestling, if that I makes agree. sense. I agree. I do agree. And, I agree. And the irony being is UFC specifically, more so than any other MMA organization, really has borrowed so much from the theatrical elements of pro wrestling, where who become the most successful fighters? The fighters that can talk the talk, right? They're cutting promos out there. And they have the larger-than-life gimmicks and characters. So they, they they get a persona and run with it. And there's guys that are specifically kind of playing a role where they seem like the bad guy. They say things that people do not like. You also have, you know, people enter, entering to the octagon with music and whatnot. I mean, there, right. there's a lot of similarities in it. What's your read on the stuff going on in AEW right now? We got Grand Slam coming up. Anything you want to throw out there? Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, if you're watching the podcast on Friday, tonight I'm going to be on Rampage on an eight-man tag. And uh, I, I might actually 
show up and do my first collision on Saturday. We'll see. I don't I don't know when this will be announced. It might be announced tonight. It may have already been announced. I don't know. But I, I think I am going to end up showing up at a collision. Um, it's it's a new era for AEW. And I think it's a it's a good era where we're not really going to be necessarily having the split rosters and split shows, but I think they're going to kind of work more in unity. There's going to be a unison between these two shows and people are going to like tell stories between them. And I, I think that's a, a good thing to keep all options open. So uh, I'm excited about this new era. Morale is really, really high. Everybody's happy. Uh, it's a great team effort. Everybody's working together. There, there's no, uh, there, there, there's no, no one there that is unhappy. So it, it's a good time to be a part of AEW, and I'm very excited for what the future holds. Grand Slam coming up. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that does when it's all said and done. It's a huge arena. The first time we did it, we obviously sold it out at Arthur Ashe. Uh, and the ticket sales have been a little bit slower, but like there's just so much wrestling now. It's it's hard to go back to these venues over and over and over again and continue to sell them out or sell the same amount of tickets. But AEW is still doing very, very well. I know some people, especially diehard people, you know, sometimes talk about the ticket sales or whatever, but I think this is going to be an issue that AEW is going to eventually be able to deal with. I think we're going to get some good stories going. I think people are going to catch on and like what we're doing, and we're going to continue to keep our chins up and moving forward. I want to follow up there real quick on Grand Slam. Eddie Kingston, an opportunity for him to win the Ring of Honor World Championship uh, in New York, where you and I have talked about Eddie before in the past. He's really one of those individuals that fans just gravitate to based on his natural charisma and persona. How meaningful do you think having a match like that is for him in that particular setting and what that could do for him? Uh, I, I mean, it's huge for Eddie Kingston. It's truly, you know, in his, in his backyard. And, and he very much reminds me of a Mick Foley type persona. He has this guy that doesn't have the typical look of a pro wrestler and, and doesn't act or perform like a typical pro wrestler. He's really rough around the edges, but there's just a charisma about him in his personality and the way he presents himself that just draws people to him. And Eddie Kingston is, is, is like one of the guys who defied the odds, much like Mick Foley defied the odds. And I think uh, you've got a lot, a lot of goals Eddie Kingston wants to achieve that you're going to see him achieve in the future. Rumor has it. I don't even know if this is public knowledge. But rumor has it. Eddie Kingston's a bit of a hardy mark. Uh, he's cool. You know, there was a point where he put in an application to to join the Hardy Party. So, you know, we, we'd love to have him. Okay. Even though I, I you know, I, I don't even know what the future of the Hardy Party uh, equates to right now as far as everyone being together. I know we're at a point where uh, Mark Quinn is getting very healthy. So I hope sooner than later, you know, we have private party back together. Ethan Page, I really don't know what we're doing, but if he, he wants to be free from me having this contract, I would gladly tear up his contract and let him go. You know, what's that old expression? If you love something, you have to let it go. And I do. I've got lots of love for, for Ethan Page right now. So, so Ethan Page is redeemed? He he has redeemed, yes. And Miro didn't even have to do it. The redeemer Miro didn't, didn't even have to do it. He redeemed Absolutely. himself with, with me. And and Jeff and I, you know, our focus is winning the AEW World Tag Team titles, you know, and that's the, that's the main thing we really want to focus on going forward. All right, Matt Hardy, we got tons of questions to get to. Let's not waste any more time, please. Without further ado, hit us with that Matt Fact. Matt Fact, Matt occasionally enjoys artichokes. Occasionally. So it's a sometimes food? It's a sometimes food for sure. Okay. 
Now, in my travels, I've learned to document my map facts, you know, as they're happening in real time, real life. And last weekend, I made an appearance at the uh, Mall of America for First Wrestling. Oh, just yes. Like, that, that was a great experience, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, I it, it was cool to be there. We signed autographs, had a great turnout. I signed for three and a half hours. I had a three-hour time slot, so it was great. It was a great turnout. Thank you to everyone who came out and visited me and hung out with me in a uh, in Minneapolis at the Mall of America. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, a great, great, great turnout, right? So when I was flying there that day, they told me that everybody in first had already ordered their meal. They said, sorry, the only thing we have left is the salad. You know, it's like a vegan option or whatever. So, okay, that's fine, whatever. I'm actually trying to eat healthier anyway. But there were tons of artichokes on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll dig artichokes. And I was just dipping them in the sauce. Oh, these things are really good. I know they'll be every so often I'll be at a, a, a restaurant you know, or a facility that has artichokes, serves artichokes. Mm. And uh, there'll be times where I like, oh, yeah, I have some artichoke. It's really tasty. It's really good. And it's really healthy, too. It's a very healthy mm. option for you. It's, uh, you know, it's up there in the running. It's a, a few slots down from green beans, but I do enjoy the artichokes, along with heart of palm. Are we talking cold artichokes or, like, warm artichokes? I can do either or. Okay. Gotcha. Are I you an artichoke like... fan or not? I know. I I don't know about cold artichokes. I don't think I have had enough cold artichokes in my life to really have much of an opinion on them. I, I, like a, a spinach and artichoke dip is like top tier stuff. That's, oh, that's, that's there's, there's a pizza place near Chelsea Market in New York City that I used to work by called Artichoke Pizza. And they're known for having these gigantic slices of pizza that are like these specialty slices, one of which is a spinach and artichoke pizza. And it's just one of those things you kind of have to try once in your life. It yeah. is to die for. So yeah. good. So I can get down with a little spin I, art. I, 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 lo I love a good uh, a good spinach artichoke dip. That, that's great. Hell yeah, Especially absolutely. We put out a request for questions, and my friends did not come up short for us, Matt Hardy. The Extreme they come Life. Through. They come through here at the Extreme Life, John Always. Always do. They did not let us down. And I think we should keep the food vibe going with one of our super fans, Brad Wise, says here in Wisconsin, a typical midnight snack is a few handfuls of shredded cheese, any flavor. What is your preferred midnight snack? Oh, my God. What a great question, man. Um, if I I try not to eat midnight snacks, but if I do, this is my favorite. This is what I would go to. So we have this real badass Mexican restaurant not far from us. It's about, about 12 minutes from the house. Really good Mexican food. And uh, all, all my kids love the tacos there, except Woofy. Woofy would rather have a Taco Bell taco than a legitimate, authentic uh, taco from the Mexican restaurant. But if we get beef tacos, and usually I'll get like eight or whatever, and the kids will eat whatever, you know, we'll get some chicken, some beef, whatever. What I love is a midnight snack is to take a taco and, and break it open and take the uh, beef, mix it up a little bit, and put a little more sprinkle cheese on it, a little more that I have just from the fridge, and then I'll warm it up, and then I'll put a little bit of secret sauce, secret sauce from like that would go on a burger or whatever, on the top of it, oh, and okay. eat a little small portion before bed, just enough to like settle my stomach and make me feel okay, enough to just feel like I have been that I no, I am no longer insatiable. I, I have satiation. Uh, I got to break some news to you here, pal. You like the secret sauce. You know what's in secret sauce? 
I, I, I know it's unhealthy. I do know that. No, no, I'm not talking about the health standard. You know, bro, you know, I don't give a shit about that stuff. <laughs> I'm saying ingredient wise in a secret sauce, one of the prominent ingredients is yellow mustard. In, in the regular like burger secret sauce? I make the secret sauce all the time when I'm out there cooking. And I've I've learned from the experts and secret sauce. I know you're talking about like the Big Mac sauce, like the that kind of thing that goes on. It doesn't have, have the relish like Big Mac does, but I know exactly the Chick-fil-A sauce kind of thing. I, I that's yes. the vibe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's ketchup, Worcestershire, mayo, and mustard. All right, this shit works for me, man. <laughs> it's a transformer. You know what I mean? It transforms into something better. It oh, it elevates. It elevates big time. Sometimes yeah. I throw a little extra something in it. But yeah. okay, so maybe Matt doesn't strongly dislike mustard quite as much as he believes he does. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of all the work, you know. But no. it's it's a fun thing to say. That, that like I am fine with mustard, and I, mm. if I have to say this before, I'll say it again. I am okay with mustard, but like. Just a burger, like if I have, a, if I would have a burger, or if I would have a piece of beef, like just putting plain regular mustard on, it doesn't enhance the taste or the flavor. Right, it, 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 it takes away from it, sure. you know. So there's some stuff I'll put on. Like obviously, when I'm saying I'll put this burger secret sauce on the beef, the taco beef, and have a little melty cheese on top, that enhances the mm. taste greatly, and it makes it, it, it. It's it's like you're eating a dessert, even though there's a lot of protein in it. You know what I mean? So. uh yeah, as far as mustard goes, I mean, there'd be times if someone, if I was starving and someone brought me a, a, a burger that only had mustard on, I'd eat the shit out of it, you know, if that was all I had to eat. But what I'm saying, if I have a choice, it doesn't enhance my experience. I feel that. I feel that. My guilty midnight snack right now, this is so bad. Uh, you know, those cheese sticks, like the mozzarella cheese sticks and whatnot that you yes. can get at the grocery store and all that stuff. I'll put a little like Nashville hot sauce on that and just eat that. And it's like, okay. it's so good, but it's definitely okay. not good for you. All right, all right, all right. But I feel that. All right, let's keep moving here. John Hammer, I believe, asking his first question. He spells his name J-O-N, so he's good in my book. All right, J-O-N. Wrestlers often look to change up their look to avoid going stale. Has Matt ever considered cutting the hair? There are photos of teenage Matt with short hair, and it looked great. Showcase the physique. No disrespect, but a fresh paint of coat may add more longevity. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I have. I have thought about it. And there has been times where I've cut my hair where it didn't very short. You could see, like, when I first did Big Money Matt, my hair was, like, pretty outrageously short, where it was, like, down the very bottom of, uh, like, my headline and, like, where my neckline was. Uh, as far as, like... Shaving it off and doing the flat top. I'm going to be honest. You know, I'll be 49 here in just a few days. And uh, my hairline isn't as strong or powerful as it is. I don't really think that flat top would uh, necessarily be good <laughs> for me. I, I think there would be some flaws. There would be some holes in it. Uh, if I was going to go all the way and cut my hair, I would shave my head probably. Which my really? wife Probably. Huh. Interesting. But but my wife specifically wants me to keep long hair. She thinks long hair looks the best on me. Well, yeah, it's like she, gothic too. So she's she, she, she likes to make fools of me. You know, when she watch, sees the old stuff of me with the high and tight. Mm. You know, I used to get that because I was a big rap fan. Like, I first got that haircut. You know, I had like regular like little boy hair, right? You know, like I would have it and I like combed it in the middle. You know, it was just short little boy hair. And then I saw Terminator X. 
Terminator X, I was like, oh my God, you know, they called it the high and tight. And that's what I called mine too. Even though my hair wasn't necessarily designed the same, I would uh, rock a high and tight, man. And that was, uh, that was high voltage's gimmick in the beginning. Mm. I, I had a bowl cut for a period of time as a kid. It was mm -hmm. the, the early nineties were a wild period. <laughs> you had a bowl cut with someone trying oh. to make fools of you, John. Oh, dude, and it was like straight out of the like we put a bowl on your head, and that's what it looked yeah. like. <laughs> that's really what it looked the bowl, like. The bowl cut is such a funny term. Oh, I love dude. that man. Well, there's, a, there, there's a jerky boys. There's a, there's a jerky boys bit where that's where I get that line from. So there was a period in time. Sorry to go on a tangent. I'm gonna let you get right back. No, to it. But like we're myself, fun here. myself, Ray Mysterio, uh, Jack Swagger, and. Uh, our truth we rode together right so there was a period where we listened to the jerky boys non-stop and we had these things memorized we would say the the bits over and over again and i remember so someone said oh my god he said my mother she she put a bowl in my head and she, she gave me a bowl cut and made fools of me you know that is if i hear bowl cut i hear made fools of me made fools mm. of me. that's all that that will always be associated uh in my mind whenever i hear bowl cut made fools of me and it comes from the jerky boys Let's get a good one from Nate here. I know you're going to love answering this question. It says, hello from San Antonio, Matt and John. How did you feel? This is certainly not a question to me. This is a question to you. How did you feel when you first found out you were going to be a girl dad? And what's the best advice you can provide to a fellow girl dad? My girl will be three months and being her dad is such an accomplishment in my life. And P.S. I hope you guys can come and do a live show at some point here in San Antonio. I would love to go down to San Antonio and do a live show. But let's let's hear your girl dad advice there. And what were your thoughts on becoming one? Uh, I was I was super hyped to become a girl to to become a girl dad because like I I wanted two boys, and then I I thought there was no way Barty, who was our third boy, there was no way he couldn't not be a girl. But it was another boy again. And I was legitimately shocked whenever we did that reveal, ultimately. Um, finally, the fourth baby, we made it work and we had a girl. And I was super excited because, like, I feel like in life I want to experience everything. And to me, it was important not only to be a boy dad. And, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, this is me being biased because of myself and Jeff. Because I had a, a brother and it was the two of us. So I wanted at least two boys. And then, like, if I'd had a girl, I'd been good with that. So even being a girl dad, I feel like it's different because you feel like this is someone that is has to be more protected. You have to care for her more. Like being a boy growing up, I know it's it's very different than being a little girl. Like little boys are crazy. They fight. They're a lot tough. And girls are just a little physically more soft, if, if that makes sense. And you just want to protect them more. And it's just like... When I see her and I think about like, this is a little girl that I'm raising into being a woman. And as her father, it's my job to be her protector and also her brother's job jobs to be her protector. So that, that was the thing that I was the most excited about just to experience how it would feel different. And it does feel different. I feel like she, she smells different than the boys do as weird as that is. And I'll be honest, after changing diapers for three boys, whenever I would take down her diaper and there's like a different mechanism down there's like, Whoa, okay. That's right. This is, this is a girl. You know, so 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 that that took a second to used used to, but then like you you yeah. love it, and she really is, she's so different from the boy. She like, it's 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 so sweet, and she she's almost smart too. Like she's very, very in the know of like what she is. She's cute, and she knows it, and oh. she knows how to like she knows how to do what she needs to do to wrap you around, uh, 
to, 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 to wrap you around her little finger and she's doing it already at age two. So yeah. she's, she's, she's going to be hard to handle when she gets older. Yeah. She's running that house. There's no questions asked about that. I, whenever I'm on the phone with Matt guys, like legitimately, whenever I'm on the phone with him and he's home, I always hear <laughs> Evie, don't run out there. <laughs> Evie, <don't."> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is always Evie in, in that case. I, I heard the boys were ribbing each other a little bit this week. Oh yeah, I mean they they do nonstop. It's 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 always something with them. But Evie more than anything else. So we obviously live out in the country, Hardy Compound. It's a, a character, the, forest. the broken universe. But we, we we live out in in a very rural area, right? Mm-hmm. So we have uh, three doors that that go out now. A couple of them we've locked away, so we can. We did have five exits on the first floor. Evie, being just just turning two years old, even before she was two years old. None of the boys did this at all, at all. So none of them would like go outside on their own. They were too afraid to. She will go outside and like walk out to like the mailbox or the mail house, or she'll try and get into the pool. She'll walk out to the building, the dome of the Lichima, And she would do like, she'd be quiet. And Kate would like open the door quiet and close it quiet. We had to put like locks and chains on the top of all the doors in the house because that, that, that little girl kept sneaking out. <laughs> And she would do it more. She would do it more than anybody with Grandpa. I love that because he'd be doing stuff. He's always with the kids, and he's always doing this and like playing with one or whatever. And then, like when they weren't paying attention, she would like haul ass outside. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> She's smart. She's gonna be a handful, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah, I know that. We got Quadriquez Isby. Simple question here, but it's a good one. I know you're gonna like it. The Hardy Boys versus the Usos, both in their prime. Who wins? Hardy Boys and Usos, both in their prime, both at their peak. Uh, in a best of seven, the Hardy Boys win four to three. Okay. What up, Usos? What up, Usos? How do the Usos? Because you've been in the ring with them. How do the Usos push you guys? I, I mean, always when you have someone that is in their prime, it pushes you to, to work harder. And it's like, I've seen both sides of that. You know, I've, I've been in the ring with guys like taker and seen Jeff in the ring with taker, you know, when he was doing the ladder match and you see taker, like really turns it up a gear because he wants to really, he's got a legacy that he wants to really, you know, he, he wants to submit, you know, that he was great. He was in a ladder match, but it was good. It wasn't bad because it was a ladder match. It wasn't his, you know, cup of tea necessarily. So, you know, it, it's, it's cool. You know, I've done that where I've been in the ring with, with guys where I felt like I've been on prime and you feel like they really kick it up a notch because they want to make sure to look like they belong in there with you. And that's probably what myself and Jeff, we do with a lot of the guys now that are in the prime. And when we worked with the Usos in WWE and uh, 19, that's exactly the same thing. You know, we're like, okay, these guys are at the top of their game right now. We got to like bust our ass. We got to make sure we look like we can hang and we, we belong in the same category as these guys right now. Everyone likes to compare the Usos and the Young Bucks. Are they similar in the ring? They're, they're very different. I, I mean, I think the biggest similarity between the, those two teams are just that they both do super kicks and they can do multiple super kicks. That is like one of their signature moves. I feel like the Usos are more of a of a WWE mindset. They are more in the mindset of telling a regular story that stays very violent, more based in reality, probably. And then I feel like the Young Bucks, they thought out of the box. But without them thinking out of the box, I don't know if you necessarily get AEW as it is now. You don't get all yeah. the events that happen. So 
they are in a much more uh, entertainment phase and, and they do a lot of character work. And, and I think one of the things the Young Bucks have embraced more than anything else, which makes them so good. You know, there was that deal where there was a thing going where Booker said they didn't shake his hand at a TV back in the day. So then they like made that their bit. So when they, when people legitimately buy into them that like they have done something wrong or they have heat, whatever they buy into the bit and they put it on TV and that's just, that's kind of who they are. And that defines them. They like, they roll with the punches more than anybody else where some guys would just like change it. No, you know, we're going to be very serious. We're going to, you know, stay locked in tunnel vision on what our goal is. And we're going to do this match where it's very much based in reality. They, they don't necessarily, they roll with the punches, whatever the crowd is saying to them, whatever the crowd believes they become. Great answer there. Love hearing that. We got coach Rosie. Coach Rosie. Says, Matt, our was boy. there ever a scenario where you would have fought on the all-in card from London? <laughs> uh, uh, I would have absolutely not fought on the all-in card in London. I wouldn't have fought on the double or nothing card. I wouldn't have fought on a live dynamite card. I wouldn't have fought on a live collision card. I wouldn't have fought on a pre-recorded rampage card. I wouldn't have fought on a house show card. Like fighting, uh, I'm too old to be fighting. <laughs> and I think anybody that is involved in professional wrestling shouldn't be fighting like fighting doesn't solve anything if you have some sort of problem with someone it's something you come back and you hash out but fighting is the last resort the only reason you should ever fight is if you're defending yourself period i think he more meant that in would you have had a match on that but uh i i do see there could be some duality in that question perhaps was there any at any point a plan for you to have a match on the all-in card uh there was there was a proposed match about us blowing off our six-man tag with myself and Jeff and Big Show taking on Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. And that didn't obviously happen. And probably more than likely the reason that did not happen is because uh, Jeff had issues getting a visa and going over there just because of some of those legal troubles that he'd had most recently understandable but that doesn't mean there won't be future opportunities for you guys to sure have big time matches on big time cards i think that that's all very much possible i mean matt the reality is you know these big time shows aren't going to be stopping anytime soon for AEW. right we just heard wrestle dream is happening in seattle got hangman page versus swerve for that show which i am absolutely amped for and Truthfully, if I'm in the mood, I might even decide to grab some last-second tickets with our friends over at Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events should never be stressful. And I know with Game Time, I can wait till the very last second to pick up the best seats out there at prices that fit me. How serious am I about this, Matt Hardy? Let me tell you what happened this past weekend for me. I was supposed to see Bruce Springsteen. You ever see him before? I've never seen him before. It was supposed to happen. <laughs> and and uh, unfortunately, Bruce canceled the rest of his dates through October. So that left my Saturday totally free. You know what I did? I downloaded the Game Time app. I redeemed the promo code Hardy. And I got tickets to Yankees Old Timers Day to see the 1998 Yankees, the team that made me become a sportscaster, okay, okay. reunited for, and this is a shoot, 
for a dollar and fifty cents. Hold up. Hold up. You're telling me you got these tickets for six quarters? I got this ticket for six quarters. Fifteen dimes, if you will. Thirty nickels. Thirty nickels. Unbelievable. I'm blown away. Game time comes through. It, it's 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 the best call. Game time Dude. is the best. If you want to get tickets, game time is the way to go. Dude, legitimately a dollar fifty for a Yankee Stadium seat and a good seat at that too. A miserable game, but that's not game time's fault. They don't guarantee that. But thankfully, with the game time guarantee, you know that you are going to be in a good place because the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Dude, you've got some game time credit to use. I know you've been holding on to it. What do you think maybe you could treat mama to as the holidays start to roll around? Uh, there's a, there's a couple concerts, uh, you know, that she might like to go to. There's a couple, there's a, a two concerts we're going to where we have invites where we're getting hooked up coming up here. Oh, really? Very short. Yeah. One of them is, uh, someone who had her on her podcast, uh, Jelly Roll and Bunny. We're going to that. And like my brother's wife, Beth, she's a huge fan of both of these individuals. So we're actually going up there doing a little VIP thing. This is like the... Uh, first weekend of October, if I'm not mistaken. So we got a couple things, but I, I think that would be fun. I also think it would be ironic and fun if down in uh, in Carolina, if I could take her to a uh, a New York uh, a New York Giants game. Hopefully they would. Uh, mm. and I, I've that kind of been thinking be, about that. I think that, that would, would shock be, her, especially if I surprised her. That would be the perfect way to use game time. We can do it. And so can you download the game time app, create an account and use code Hardy for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem code Hardy for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week starting at just nine bucks that's less than 20 cents an episode each month and yes you can listen to them all directly through apple podcasts or your regular podcast apps how easy is that ad free shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docuseries like title chase eric fires back conversations with conrad and the insiders Plus, new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early. You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus, ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch-alongs, Q&As, and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And hey, when you do, the first week is completely free. Adfreeshows.com. Let's keep going here, Matt Hardy. I'm not going to lie. That was a nice ad for adfreeshows. Oh, of course it was, man. The nice lots, of good, lots of good content going on over on AFS right yeah. now. I'm particularly enjoying all the different mailbag series 
they've got going on there adfreeshows.com make sure you check it out uh we got george the third hardy oh there we go what's up george what match made you the most excited for whom you were facing that's an interesting question it is um There's a couple I would say. I was super excited, even though we were friends at this point, to be wrestling Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 19. Uh, just because the stuff Rey Mysterio and Psychosis did uh, at ECW when they first got their opportunity to run there, that was hugely influential to myself and Jeff. Like we copied their spots, we did their stuff, and Psychosis and Jushin Liger are the and Muda, those are the main things behind the whole Willow identity. But psychosis was a, a big deal for Jeff, especially in that day and age. So he was one of the guys. I remember I had like five guys I would love to wrestle. I'd be my dream to wrestle them. And Ray Mysterio was on the list. So I was really excited to work with Ray, even though we worked, worked together so much, but doing it at WrestleMania. And I also remember it was a last second thing because they wanted to get heat on the two man power trip. When we walked in the TV and we found out we were wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H in the main event, along with Stephanie McMahon, Helmsley, Team Extreme, uh, I was very excited for that match because that showed that they really saw our popularity as real and we were the guys that could actually get these guys booed, get these guys heat. So that was a match I was really excited for as well. You know, those hidden gem episodes of our podcast I always talk about, I think our two-man power trip episode is one of those, and you can go back mm into the archives and listen to extremehardy.com if you haven't because uh, it's a time period in your career that i don't think a whole lot of people talk about and think about but mm -hmm. you definitely had some great insight on stone cold steve austin and triple h so go check that episode out i, I want to stick with wwe here for a second austin williams and I, I genuinely don't know how much this guy's even on your radar or not but he has thoughts on grayson waller have you seen some of the stuff that he's been doing in wwe very little but the stuff i've seen like clips on social and stuff uh i i enjoy he he i hear his name a lot his name is in circulation a lot so he's obviously doing something right i've seen very little of him but it seems like so far so good i think grayson waller has potential to be a big time player for wwe i didn't get it with him at first and then i watched the nxt eliminator match that they did last year the survivor challenge and I was like, it just, you know, sometimes when you watch some wrestlers, maybe at first you don't get it. And then it just clicks and you're like, oh, that's what makes them special. I got it in that moment. And right now, I think he's crushing it. He and your boy, Adam Copeland Edge, had a fantastic match on WWE TV. And now yeah. he's working with John Cena a little bit. I mean, he's he's got a big ceiling. I know there was someone in NXT Tiffany Stratton, that really caught your attention this past week with that big swanton she did, huh? Yeah, that, and when she does the jump up uh, moonsault deal, like yeah. she's she she's uh, seems like a really special athlete. And the little bits and pieces I've seen clips of her online. I see most of my stuff online. I record all of the wrestling programming, and more often than not, I end up having to delete it whenever I'm leaving or whatever, just because I don't have time to like watch these things because. You're there when you call me at the house. I'm watching four maniacs, you know, 50% of the time. So, and when I'm at home, it's probably 75% of the time because Rebby does it all whenever I'm away, obviously. But I've seen a couple of things of hers on NXT and she seems super impressive. She's She's got a uh, great ability, a great athlete, a good look. And I think she's going to end up doing well for herself, especially on the main roster when, when it comes to her time to go. I very much agree with that. I tweeted this out. I zeded it out that. Zeded it. 
if you if she doesn't spread. become a if she doesn't become a star, someone screwed up. It's as simple as well, that. Let's call it like it is too. Uh, NXT did a really good number uh, Tuesday night. This is Wednesday night. We're doing it actually. It's Thursday morning right now. But like they NXT did a really good number, and it was headlined by her and Becky. Was that like yep. the feeling mm-hmm. point of the show? So congrats to those two. As Becky Lynch called herself on Zeter, uh, ratings Rebecca. So <laughs> good stuff there from her. Uh, we got your girl Val says, which ruthless aggression era wrestler that you would have loved to have worked with that you didn't get a chance to? It can be anybody that was on Raw or SmackDown between 2004 and 2005. I, I don't think there is any, in all honesty. I mean, is there is there anybody that you can think of that you could possibly name that I didn't wrestle? I, I think I wrestled everyone. I would have loved to have seen a singles program, a mid-card singles program between you and Shelton Benjamin. I think that would have been real fun for you and real good. You know, we saw you guys work with him a little bit as when the Hardys reunited, but you didn't cross paths too much on a singles basis, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that would have been fun. We, we, we had a whole program for the U.S. title. He's the guy that ultimately beat me for the In U.S. title. In 2004? No, it was later. Yeah, it came later. I'm talking about it this time. I'm talking about in that era. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in that era. Yeah, I, 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 I worked with him on live events mm-hmm. during that time. Some. I'm I'm talking about within her parameters of when she's I saying. See, I see. Um. Uh. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I know this sounds crazy too. I would have loved to have seen heel Matt Hardy with uh, that era of Shawn Michaels. Could have been fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could have been fun. Could have been a little different. Um, maybe even a proper program with Kurt could have been fun as well. Yeah. Just doing some different stuff. Definitely a lot of opportunities there that there could have been matches on the table. Uh, let's afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Let's see, we've got one from Sean Berkey asks who was your favorite singer or band when you were growing up so we know that pearl jam became your jam later in life but growing up did you have any favorites i when it's very funny because like the only music i was really exposed to growing up was my dad playing country music in in his basement he had like a little local band and they would play shows locally and whatnot so country music was really the only thing i heard the only radio exposure i got was listening to am radio like the news and stuff when i was young so like music wasn't a big thing the first time jeff and i once we got a little older and we started becoming i was a teenager jeff was 10 whatever i remember getting a boom box you know that had a cassette player where you could record stuff off the radio and we heard some of the poppy music at that time like uh belinda karma uh uh i can't even think of her name right now Think we're alone now. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be anyone around. Ooh, heaven, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Anyway, some of that poppy stuff. And and nothing really stood out and 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 grabbed me. The first thing that I really liked more than anything else was some uh 
Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was a a fan of those guys. That was the first group that I thought I really got into. But then that led me down the the rap rabbit hole, right? So then I was like, okay, what else is there? I was like, oh, my God, here's Public Enemy, and here's Ghetto Boys, and here's NWA. Like, whoa, you know, everything. I, I ended up listening to all types of rap. But out of all those, Public Enemy was my first favorite band mm. I, I really became a huge fan of once upon a time i used to be able to do the entire fresh prince theme song i'm not talking like the 30 second fresh prince theme song i'm talking like the full three minute version of it that, that you that sits somewhere within the crevices of my brain i don't know where but maybe one day after, right. you and i will hit nashville do some karaoke and we'll lay right. that thing down belinda carlisle that's who it was. belinda carlisle yes uh, let's see. We got Joshua Culver. Good question here. Does WWE own the intellectual property for the V1 hand signal? Could you do a run as V1 in AEW if you tweaked it a little to avoid those issues? I uh, I do the V1 hand sign. They don't own that, obviously. They 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 do. They did copyright and trademark Matt Hardy version one. So mm-hmm. there was a point when I was doing kind of like the shifting in and out of characters a little bit, and I acknowledged myself and did did it on TV uh, just a tad. Um, but did it on BTE a bit too as the first version. So if I was going to do a V1 centric character, we did do a couple of mad facts on there, which was a matter of fact, and they popped up on AW programming. It would be the first version. Oh, that was so great in the stadium stampede, yeah. which we did an episode on, by the way, featuring Chris Jericho. And that brings us to our question from Bill. It says, do you have any favorite moments with Chris Jericho? Oh my gosh! Um, Can you give us a moment outside of the ring? Some maybe a Chris Jericho story that people have never heard. If you have one off the top of your head, or a favorite thing about Chris, uh, I, I I do have a story, and I was actually talking about it today. And like I remember Isaiah and DG, they were blown away by it. So there was this huge snowstorm in 2000. Do you remember this, John? I'm sure you were in, young. In 2000, okay. In 2000, it hit the East Coast. We were in Baltimore to do TV, right? So we got so snowed in, they shut the city down, and then they told us we're just going to wait until Thursday, I think it was, almost like the 9-11 deal, said, uh, just stay in town. We're going to do the show whenever the snow melts away. It was Tuesday. We got snowed in. We can't do anything. We'll just do it live Thursday, or either we did it Wednesday or pre-taped it or whatever. But like we had to stay in the town for a couple of days. And we were at a hotel. We were at the Microtel of all places at the Baltimore airport, right outside BWI. And myself, Jeff, Adam, Jay, Edge Christian, and Chris Jericho was there. And I remember we were stuck in this hotel. We had been able to get to this local convenience store and buy some white Zinfandel wine. We got a whole bunch of bottles and we sat back and we had drank some wine and we ended up jumping out of the second story into the snowbank. (laughs) <laughs> and it was so crazy because, like, we didn't know what was underneath there. There could have been, like, air conditioning units, whatever. But it was just, like, five guys stuck there who were snowed in, who didn't have shit to do. And then, like, we started getting a little wine buzz, and then everybody ended up jumping out the window. And, like, I think we took our clothes off and jumped out in, like, our our boxers. It was crazy. But that's a, a very funny story. And that was one of our first bonding experiences because, like, when Chris first came in, to WWE because he was a WCW guy. There were uh, Hunter and some of the other guys were a little hard on him to begin with. And like, no, you, we have to 
reteach you how to work and you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. And like, we ended up bonding with them because like mm -hmm. we were all around the same age. We kind of all had the same mindset as far as how we worked or how we kind of saw professional wrestling as far as going forward. And then we all really hit it off right from the jump. So there was the five of us in a, in a, in a hotel room in the microtel, and we opened the window and jumped out the second story into the snow. That's a great like, story. I love that. And no one got hurt. No one got hurt. There you go. How about that? I am trying to process that visual. That's, that's a wild visual. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I wrote about that in exist to expire. That was in our book. Mm. I, uh, I did that. And also, you guys be on the lookout too. I, I'll tell you, spoiler alert, myself and Jeff today did Hey EW with RJ City for the first time. And like Jeff kind of, I explained to him what the, the bit is or whatever, but it's, it's funny because we actually talked about that story just for a second. See, you made a mistake there. You should not have told your brother what the bit was because I think Jeff going into that without knowing the bit would have produced some authentically incredible Jeff Hardy content. But I'm sure he it rolled did. with it anyway. It, 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 it provided some pretty incredible content. Right? Okay. We got some shout outs. Our wives okay. did. Uh, it was good. RJ City is very good at what he does. He's the best. Speaking yeah. of Christian, by the way, Christian Cage, what's up with this whole attacking dead dads and hitting on moms and widows? What's, what, what's your vibe on that? I mean, he's a CLP, you know? We could, no, we, could even, we, we could even change it to CLF, creepy little feces. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You know, he, he, uh, when he, when he, when he's a bad guy, he is a bad guy. Stealing Rikishi's gimmick. He's a bad man. <laughs> bad, bad man. Uh, let's go to, Sean Bradley, good question. Matt, in your opinion, who do you think is a bigger household name and celebrity, John Cena or Hulk Hogan? I know this is a generational question. It will be different for most, but for me, it's uh, yeah. most definitely Cena. I think he's a bigger name than Hogan was. Would love your opinion. That is a great question. And I, I think just depending on your age and what generation or what period you're from would, would definitely alter your answer or change your answer. Um, Hulk Hogan was a big deal. I mean, wrestling, he was the first guy that, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, you could say it's first national boom, global boom was underneath Hulk Hogan and people knew him. That Rocky movie was a huge deal. Rocky three, which I have seen and I did love. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Rocky three. I watched it. Um, he was a big deal. He was a big name. He did a lot of other stuff, but I think when it comes to John Cena, he was in the same role and position as Hulk Hogan and carried the company. And he has done, several movies and stuff, but I feel like also down currently and presently, John has been a little more successful than Hogan has with the roles he's done. They've been a little bigger. They've been a little more uh, pristine and prestigious. Uh, so I, I think if you compare them, especially with the way the world is now and the way information is spread, I would say John Cena is a bigger star than Hulk Hogan when it's all said and done. But, but but someone who answers that, it's also going to depend on what period they grew up in, how old they were. If you ask Hulk Hogan these days with some of the things he's been spinning lately, he probably would tell you he was Rocky in some of those movies. So it seems to be the running bit these days. I don't disagree with your answer, man. I think you're dead on uh, with that. You know, Speaking of the golden era of wrestling, Justin 
Blevins asks, which tag team duo would you and Jeff love to have face at a pay-per-view or a regular show from the golden era of wrestling more on the WWF side rather than the WWE side? Uh, the, the first answer that automatically pops in our mind, uh, the Rockers. Uh, Matt and Jeff versus the Rockers, we'd love. We'd love Matt and Jeff versus Tully and Arn, the Brain Busters. We'd love Matt and Jeff versus the Heart Foundation. We'd love Matt and Jeff versus Demolition because we loved all those teams. Uh, you know, those those would have all been really, really cool fun matches. Yeah, then none of those surprised me whatsoever. And right up yeah. your alley, too. Maybe even facing the Mega Powers, too. In Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, the Mega Powers, I mean, that'd been the equivalent of facing, like, the two-man power trip. I mean, they were yeah. the same type of deal at that time. Jim, what are the differences between Tony Khan, the boss, and Tony Khan, the human being? There's, there's not a lot. And I, I know Tony really works hard to try and like not have a separation between Tony Khan, the boss and Tony Khan, the human being, which is admirable. And I, I think it's cool. He wants to come off as very real and genuine and authentic as a person, you know, and as the promoter, I, I think if there was going to be a difference between the two, I think, as a promoter, he just has to be a little less generous. And and when it comes time to like put his foot down and say, no, like I'm the boss, I pay the bills, and then he does it. And I, th I think that'll probably come in time and also just in, in age and experience. Could you say that he could use a little more ruthless aggression? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to go crazy. I don't. I don't want to say he needs this. <laughs> He doesn't need to become Vince at all. But no, he does no. not. He, he's the boss, and he flips the bills, and he's a hell of a good guy. But like, if he makes a call and someone steps out of line, it, it he has to put them back in line. I think I think that'll come with time and experience. Man, I say it on this podcast all the time. I say it on Strictly Business all the time. You can say whatever the hell you want to say about Tony Khan, but I in the five years now that I've known Tony because I know him back to the Jaguars days. Yeah. I can't think of a team owner or anyone in that type of position of power who I have found to be a more genuine person. And I mean that very, very genuinely myself. Uh, I know there's, oh, look at that album, the AEW mark, but I mean it. I mean, he really, John <laughs> Alba, he has a podcast with Matt Hardy. WWE wrong hero. bad. <laughs> wrong bad. Ugh. Daddy says, Daddy Corny says, wrong bad. <laughs> but I, I do mean that, though. I, I think that Tony, you can say whatever you want about ratings or viewership or attendance or whatever. I, I don't think there's a more genuine person in that position. So, uh, and go ahead. Tony, Tony is a good hearted human being. Mm hmm who loves pro wrestling. He's extremely passionate. He's kind. He's generous. He treats people like human beings, not like machines, not like they're a cog in the machine. And if you come out, you just put another one in. Tony Khan is, is a good soul. No doubts about it. He always wants to do what's right. And he wants to do what's right for everyone across the line. He's very fair. Uh, he's very forward thinking. And I, I have a great appreciation for Tony Khan and, and his, his stance and his beliefs and just the way he is generally kind and very giving to everyone he meets and interacts with. 
What do you think Tony Khan's reaction was to the Jacksonville Jaguars picking up a big win in week one? I mean, he loves to see it. I mean, anytime his team is winning, whether it's A-Dub, you know, whether it's Fulham or whether it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, he Mm -hmm. loves to see it. That man loves to win. His post-game selfies with or pictures with Doug Peterson after a Jaguars win is the most consistent piece of storytelling in pro wrestling today. Let me tell you that. And I know that he's stoked Matt Hardy because with those Jaguars getting a big win, a lot of people out there made some good dough by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app and using that code Hardy. Listen, football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got it's you? Back. Oh, it's back, baby. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet five Cinco, five Cinco, five dollars on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. How about that investment, Matt? I like it. It's a good investment. Nobody is missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Now, Matt Hardy, you and I have been doing this King of the Mountain Challenge with some of our podcast heat cohorts. Uh-huh. I gotta, I gotta be real. We gotta pick things up here. Our, our, we're we're near the bottom of the standings, and I just can't let Jeff Jarrett beat us here. That's why you so, put me in the game, John. That's why you put me in the game. That's right. So you've got three bets for us this week against the spread in both college football and the NFL. What do we got? All right, man. Let's start with the NCAA, uh, NCAA college football. I'm going to say Washington minus 16 over Michigan State and Kansas State minus five over Missouri. Okay. All right. You feel I, I I like the Big 12 representation in there as well. Uh, and then you've got one NFL bet for us. Now let's go to the let's go to the NFL. You know what I mean? Who's ready for some football? I'm ready for some football. I'm ready for some NFL. I'm saying Miami minus 2.5 over New England. Okay. I, I like that because the Dolphins really, really looked good this past week. Tua Tungavailoa really coming into his own. I don't have a ton of faith in New England this year, honestly. I think that Mac Jones, I just don't know if he's the guy, but we're picking against the spread here. Matt's going Miami minus 2.5 over New England, and then the college ranks Washington minus 16 over Michigan State and Kansas State minus 5 over Missouri. I'm down with that. Here's how you can get in on the fun. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use code HARDY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HARDY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.sot1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. 
<sighs> okay, I can breathe again. Let's keep going here with a few more questions on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Interesting question here from Sevia Dan. The match you regret winning or losing. So let's put on the booking hat here. Is there a match that you won that you feel maybe the other guy should have won? Or is there a match that you lost that you feel maybe you should have won? There's absolutely a match I lost that I thought. I, I think I know win. which one that is. And I'm sure you do. Go ahead. Spit it up. That, that would be Go TLC ahead. 1. TLC 1 in Raleigh, North Carolina, SummerSlam 2000. That That is the match that stands out above everything else in my mind. If we could change one thing. That would be the result that should be changed. That would have that would have been best for business at that point. What about a match that you won that maybe you felt the other guy should have? Um, hmm, I'm sure I could come up with one if I do think about this for a second. What is a match? Hmm. Do you have anything in mind? I I don't win a lot, so. It's hard to really wrap my mind around this question, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, I guess there's an argument to be made that Jeff could have won at WrestleMania, but I think that even so, that's still. A like maybe you should have gotten that win before WrestleMania and then he wins the big blow off match at WrestleMania rather than an I quit match on a weird pay-per-view. Does that make any sense? No, no I, I I don't agree with that. I, I think because I needed that. Jeff was popular and nothing was going to change that. And I, I think that that win gave me a big boost at that time. So I, I, I think that was right. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just trying to come off the top of my head here. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you should have put Maybe you should put Willow the Wisp over a few extra times back. I, I I may I may have said this too. <laughs> yeah, Willow the Wisp. Uh, I I think it would have been cool if. Okay, here, here's what I'll say. I think when it was Edge that beat Jeff because I helped him at Royal Rumble, right? I think Jeff should have retained the title, and I think Jeff should have going to WrestleMania as the champion because okay. he was he was white hot at that time. And then we could have done the turn at WrestleMania. Okay. I, I, th I I think that is uh, – of the of the scenario you just talked about, I think that's a scenario that could have been feasible and I think could have worked, and you would have made a new star in Jeff Hardy by him main eventing WrestleMania like that. I like that. I like that. Bobby asks – well, hell, Bobby. Yes. What is well, your, hell. What is your favorite 80s TV show? Oh, great, great question. Uh I would say probably the first show that myself and Jeff loved so much was uh, Masters of the Universe with He-Man. Uh, we're also big fans of Voltron. Uh, we were fan, uh, big fans of the Transformers. Mm. And like when it came to real-life TV, I would say Knight Rider. That, that all tracks very much so with you. Yeah. Do you have a favorite 90s TV show? I'm sure I'm sure I do if I sit back and think about it. I feel like the 90s is when I became a teenager and it's like our mom wasn't around and we really had to pick up the role. We didn't watch TV as much as we did then, uh, you know, like in the 80s. I feel like in the 80s we were kids, but like after our mom, 
after our mom passed away, we kind of got thrust into adulthood and like we had mm. to pick up a little more slack around. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, maybe even like married with children. I remember enjoying it in the nineties and I'm sure, I'm sure there's some other stuff too. It wasn't cartoons, but like we were in more of an adult role. Sure. I'm sure, I, I'm sure there'll be some shows after I'm not thinking about this, that'll, that'll pop up that, that I enjoyed during that time. Did, did Matt Hardy get into the South Park craze when that dropped in the late nineties? I, I didn't. I, yeah. I, I was never, I was never a big fan of South Park. I was obviously aware of it because it was huge in pop culture and everywhere. Um, but no, I, I was, I never became. Isn't, isn't that amazing? 26 years later, it still is super relevant in pop culture. Yeah. I mean, it's hugely impressive, hugely impressive. And I don't think people really remember if you weren't alive at that point, it was everywhere. South Park. Yeah. I mean, Vince had Earthquake dressed up as Golga with an Eric Cartman doll right. as part of the oddities. So yeah. it was massive. Uh, Tracy says, hey, Matt, who is your biggest non-wrestling idol? P.S. You have a beautiful family and tell Jeff hi. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Compliment. And that's why you need to answer Rebecca Hardy as your non-wrestling idol. because I would tell Jeff hello. Yeah, Rebecca Hardy might be my idol. It's funny because I really, this is weird. I don't even kind of, I don't really even think in that mindset a lot, as strange as that sounds. There's like, probably the person that I think would be the coolest person I can think of that I would like to like know more, no, no, I got to meet him, but just Eddie Vedder. I just thought he was so cool and he was kind of yeah. like, half ass in the gimmick doing the deal at Pearl Jam. And I was just so inspired. That was, you know, that's when we were at a period when I became a Pearl Jam fan. So our mother had passed, obviously, when we were younger. So everybody knows that. But our dad had a, a bad brain hemorrhage and uh, it, aneurysm, a bad brain aneurysm that had hemorrhage and he bled. And he was in the hospital for like a week. So there was a week when I was 15, 16 years old. And uh, myself and Jeff, we were like kind of on our own. And I was like taking care of Jeff. And I was like, what What if something does happen to our dad? What are we going to do? But it was during that time whenever I really discovered Pearl Jam and their music was so inspirational and motivational. And I'll never forget how I, I was definitely old enough to drive. I was, I was 16 at this time. Um, I'll never forget how Jeff and I, we would stay up till like two or three in the morning. And it's the first time ever really doing this to hear black whenever black was like on rotation. Um, and, and like, we just, I remember we got the album and just 10 was like, 10 was by far the most influential album in my life to me. And it was to Jeff at that time as well. Just all those songs touched us. Uh, they made us feel a different way. And it's just, it was so, you know, the whole grunge era was very emotional and it had a lot of feeling and just a lot of like rawness to it and whatnot, because we were really at a point of being unsure about like what our life was going to become next. Like, Jeff was still three years younger than me, almost three years younger than me. And I was like, am I going to be the one taking care of him now? Like, what are we going to do? Like, as far as money goes, as far as living. And it was a very uncertain period. But like that, that week we were separated and like I was driving, we'd obviously go see our dad every single week. And he ended up being okay when it was all said and done. But that, that was a very influential week. And I say, just because of that period of time and that uncertainty, like Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, they like calm calmed us both down and they made us 
have optimism and, 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 and believe that things were going to be okay in the future. And that was one of the reasons I was really inspired to meet him so much. That's the beauty of live music and music in general yeah. right there. That is, that's it. That's the essence of it. That's when you find something you connect with. Yeah. Nothing tops it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. That's why I've gone to 75 concerts this year. I got a festival this coming weekend, and I'm just gonna live, Matt Hardy. You have to live, man. One one of, one of my favorite expressions or advice I would tell people is like, live life. Oh, life yeah. life is not long. Life is fleeting, and just live life, uh, and and do things that make you feel alive. Never forget to do that, man. Are Are you a Foo Fighters guy? I do. I do enjoy Foo Fighters. Yes, they 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 don't they don't come to the forefront as much as they probably should, but I, I am a big Foo Fighters fan. I th- I think you'd really be into Foo's if you did a deep dive. That's who I'm seeing on Sunday, and I've seen them five, six yeah. times. They're Dave Grohl's the man. Uh, big, big time Dave Grohl guy. So. Everlong is one of my favorite songs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get a few more in, and then we will wrap things up here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. <laughs> I like this question. Mitchell. Worst wardrobe malfunction you've had in a match. That's amazing because I have a good one, actually. Uh, it was on a live event with WWE. Whenever Jeff and I first started and we went and bought these, bought the kickwear pants, right? And uh, it's so funny because like people associate them with Hot Topic, first and foremost. But we got them initially at Gadzooks. Have you ever been to Gadzooks, John? Uh, I, I, that's a very late 90s, early 2000s <laughs> store. <laughs> very, very much so. So we got it at Zooks, but after we started wearing them, so they reached out to us and they sent us like tons of pairs uh, of these kickwear pants, right? A bunch of different stuff. We're just actually redoing my closet right now. And I just saw some of the old stuff and original stuff. And we packed a lot of stuff up to put in the storage out in the dome of deletion. But like these pants we were wearing were great. And like, obviously we were like on the road nonstop working all the time. There was a time when I was involved in a match. And my total inseam split out of the pants. And I remember like looking down, like Jeff looked over and like pointed and was kind of like snickering and laughing. And you could see like my boxer shorts underneath my, my, my junk was like kind of sticking out a little bit of just the both things. So, so, so they were still covered. We we didn't have any kind of X, I didn't become the X rated superstar or anything, Hmm. but just, it was very funny. These pants had split and then my undies were sticking out like, Obviously, my, my my junk was protruding a little bit. And that was a live event, and that, that was actually towards the end of the match. But it was a pretty 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 big funny laugh looking back at it. Got to give the people what they want, as the best friends would say. That's well, that's the most important thing, you know? I just got to give Rebecca Hardy what she wants. And I don't think you're failing at that, pal, considering <laughs> you've got a gaggle of children. Uh, okay, I'm going to take this question a step further, just because this is – Something that happens in wrestling. Um, <laughs> John Cena has spoken about it. CM Punk has spoken about it. Many wrestlers have spoken about it. Have you ever either shit or pissed yourself in the ring? Has that ever happened? I have not. Okay. But there was one time where I was sick and wrestling Shannon Moore. And I, I felt like I was going to. I let out one of the most terrible... <laughs> gases i omitted he jumped off the top and like hit me with some corkscrew is like 
when he was my MFR and we had sometimes where I'd beat him up and we worked on live events a couple of times. And I jumped off and we did a thing where I'd reverse the roll through and he ended up right in my crotch. He's like, oh my God, did you shit yourself? I was like, no, I, I didn't. But it was like terrible gas because I was extremely sick that day anyway. And, and he said, I swear, you got to show me. And I had like, when we got back and showered, I showed him my underwear and everything. So look, I didn't. I didn't. It was just, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm very rank right now. I, I don't smell good. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, it's just, it's people don't realize that, like, if you take a bump improperly, it, anything could go wrong. You, you yeah. just lose control there. And uh, especially, especially if you're sick. <laughs> right. Right. And like you said, your boy Rikishi, he said this on like episode two or three. He took care of the people that he wanted to, but I'm sure Rikishi, uh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure if, if someone, if someone had a receipt coming, Rikishi's probably not the one you want that from no no I, I i would suggest no <laughs> he's very old school too very old school in his mentality like if uh when it comes to rikishi if you're facing him uh, you're probably going to get the stink face you deserve when it's all said and done oh i like that that's a that's a very eloquent way yeah <laughs> I, 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 like I just thought that on the fly yeah you're probably gonna get the stink face you deserve <laughs> put it on his epitaph <laughs> yeah. we got Cameron, great question here. If you could reestablish one cardinal rule of wrestling backstage or not, what would it be? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like now that most of that stuff, like obviously it was over the top. When you would come in, there would be hazing. Yeah. Myself and Jeff got hazed. Christian edge got hazed. All, all the guys got hazed when they were coming in and like, we're, we're past that period. Society has moved past that. Fortunately, thankfully, but like, it's different now, but I still think there are younger guys and there are a lot of guys that really do. There are some younger guys that almost feel a little entitled and don't show quite as much respect as they could for the people who paved the path for them, because that was such a huge deal when we first started, like respect the people who, paved the road for you to get here who allowed who did things that allowed you to get an opportunity to do this and i feel like that isn't honored as much today as it should be that's fair i, I think that's fair i think that translates to pretty much any business or whatever you do right i mean as, as, especially yeah. if the person has not disrespected you in any way there's no reason to be disrespectful to them you know that's just the way that i kind of approach that i'll tell and you if, I think also too if you're someone that's been around like you know if a young guy comes up and says oh i want to do this 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 and this to you as opposed to like saying well like what would you like me to do or you know what would be cool with you i i think the way you approach a scenario is very important as well especially if you're talking to someone who is a veteran and who has sacrificed his body for three decades it's very important to like be very respectful in your conversation with them and, and yeah. realize like they've put a lot of mileage on their body and they've destroyed their body to make sure you could get here and do this one. Sure. Day I know wrestlers court is something we've talked about a few times on this podcast. And, and I think back in the day, it was probably pretty mean spirited at times, even though it was done ideally to you know right. make things right. I think it probably got a little mean spirited sometimes, but I think the concept could be a very fun concept for some levity in a locker room. If you did it respectfully and not in a way that, called people out or endangered them or anything like that like if you did it from a very self-aware and fun manner if that makes any sense 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. If, if it was done where it wasn't mean spirited and it was done just like as a very a bonding experience, a, a, a morale boosting. Yeah. Bonding. Yeah. A little self-aware fun's never bad, but I think it just crossed the line too much. And that was, yeah. that was probably uh, the, the emphasis there out. Oh, Matthew Cooper, were you on the plane ride from hell in May, 2002? If so, do you have any memories from it? Of course I was on it. And I have a ton of memories, you know, it's, I'll, I'll never forget. They they really worked hard to get me on that dark side of the ring, uh, playing yeah. ride from hell, and I very politely declined because Some I knew stories no are good. best saved for the vault. No good was good. Well, but two, like either a if if you speak like the facts and how things really went down in society, and you're like showing you're like a good natured person, and you have to say these terrible things about people you may genuinely like. You know, or maybe people who've done good things to you. It's like a lose lose situation in many yeah. ways. And I think we saw examples of that, like with Tommy Dreamer, for instance, who is one of the sweetest guys in the world and really wants what's best for everyone. But he was just kind of put in an impossible situation. When it comes to the plane ride from hell, my most fond memory that, you know, that I can say, which won't get me in trouble one way or the other, is that I remember sitting, talking with Taker, being right by that emergency exit. And Kurt Henning was being hilarious he was just kept with brock he would say look i'm so sorry i did this i'm so sorry i've been ribbing you i'm so sorry i'm messing with you he said hey can we make it okay and like he said you're shake my hand brock let's let's shake hands like men and then i remember kurt henning stomped on his toes and he had on shoes and brock didn't he was barefoot or in his socks and he went running down the aisle and then eventually when he called up to him and came back they he, he picked him up like he was driving him into the turnbuckle you know and drove them into the emergency door there you know, and we're at the highest elevation flying over the Atlantic Ocean, you know, oh and like, holy shit. And it was terrifying. And I just remember like them hitting and like me making eye contact with Taker, like, what the fuck? You know, and it's just like, what if this would have opened? We would have all died, you know, and, and it's pretty much impossible to open the thing at, at, at that height and whatnot at that uh, altitude. But just. It was so crazy. Just like you, you would never, ever see that on a plane in the same did, age. Did you recognize in real time that that flight was different than other flights? Uh, oh, yeah. Out of control. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It, it made me it made me appreciate the fact that I was still a good kid at that time. <laughs> before the rest of the business ate me up and chewed me up and spit me out. Yeah. Were you there when Kurt and Vince McMahon got into a grappling brawl on, on the flight? Yeah, that, that was a different flight, but I was there yeah. as well. Yeah, I know it was a different flight, but yep. can you share anything about that? Because there are some disputed records of that. Uh, disputed as in which as, in, as in pe people have tried to discredit each other's perception of what actually happened there. What's your recollection of that? I, I mean, every time Vince kept trying to take him down, there was one point where he grabbed me and said, Hardy, distract this son of a bitch. Tell him, tell him to come to you, and he was going to jump out from behind, like where the you know the stewardess stand. He was. tried to pawn you off. Oh, he did. And I said, "What am I going to get out of it?" He said, I'll, "I'll take good care of you." <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and I was walking through, and as I was doing, say, "Hey, Kurt, come down here." I said, "By the way, watch out, Vince is going to jump you." And like Vince, Vince grabbed him, and like he immediately turned him around. Like every single time Vince tried to grab Kurt, like Kurt took him down instantly. And that, that's every, every time I saw it, and I saw it happen multiple times throughout the night. 
Kurt, Kurt would grab Vince and he would take him down and like pin his ass on the floor, get the amateur pin on him. I love that you gave Kurt the Iggy. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Why did Vince want to take him down so bad? Why does Vince want to do a lot of things that he does? I mean, it's just Vince. Vince, back in the day, was one of the boys. We'd go out with the wrestlers and stuff, and there's still a big part of them that liked enjoying doing things with the boy. And if he would get some red wine in him or drink a little bit, whatever, and we're on a flight, it's a charter flight, he's paid for it, like, he just still wants to show that he's he's the man, you know, he's the guy. And and he genuinely really liked Kurt a lot too. You know, they get along great. So it was a fun time for him. Which so Kurt just, didn't get bent out of shape about that. No, 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 no. Okay. That's great. That's see th- that those are the stories that make podcasts like this great. That's what yeah. I love to hear. I had no idea that you were part of that, that Vince tried to stooge you off on Kurt. There, there, there's a there's a cartoon that we did somewhere for a WWE thing where yes. they had me tell the story. Oh, you, you, you were part of the story time. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. Rem- I remember it. I remember the story time. I don't remember you even being part of that though. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and, I, and I want to feel like we even up. I was like, you know, okay, sure, I'll do it. But what I'm gonna get? I said, he's maybe I'll you'll make more money with me or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, okay, great. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I said, okay, I got you. And I went down and said, Kurt, by the way, Vince is going to attack you on the way down here. <laughs> so I was playing both sides, brother. I was going to play it safe. That's a big money Matt move if I've ever heard one. Oh, it, 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 big money Matt shining through. That was big money Matt's official cameo. Official debut and cameo. Oh, this is great stuff, Matt. Hardy. We got so many great questions, so many that we didn't even get to. But I promise you guys, again, we do these Ask Matt's pretty often. I love doing them. So... Um, make sure you get those questions. And if we didn't get to your question this time, I promise you in the future, resend another question. We'll get to it. And if you want to drop me a DM and say, hey, you didn't answer my question, I'll try to make sure that we include it on the next one. So that way everyone is represented here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And sometimes every month we do uh, ask Matt's uh, that are ad-free shows exclusive too. So if you become an ad-free shows member, you'll be able to become part of that as well. I know it's been late, Matt, but this has been a very fun episode. Some I've, I've used this word like very five much. times this episode, but some much needed levity. Uh, in- yeah, and th- th- this really was, John. This was great fun, so I, I really yes. enjoyed it. Uh, nice anything, uh, anything on your mind right now that you want to get out there before we sign off here? Uh, make sure to tune in to Rampage tonight. You know, it's it's time for the Hardy Boys to uh, to get back on the uh, the path to those AEW World Tag Team titles, and uh, it starts tonight. Yeah, let's win some matches, those Hardy Boys. It's about time to see some W's for Matt and Jeff. We want to see you score a W by teaming up with us here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Advertise with Hardy.com. Promote your business to the extreme by getting it in front of thousands of listeners every single week uh, via YouTube, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast we will get your product out there next week we're going to have a new sponsor on board because they heard that advertise with hardy was the place to be advertise with hardy.com we will endorse you and are not afraid to whore ourselves out here on the extreme life let me tell you that my friends (laughs) even with our one cardinal rule which is nwa as you are firmly firmly aware (sighs) good episode matt the words have most certainly been spoken on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We will see you next time.
Delete!